0: Hello, and welcome to the Thoughts on Money podcast, what we like to call Tom. Thank you for joining us today. We are recording here in Newport Beach, where it is sunny and beautiful outside. It's a funny thing. Well, let's start out. My name is Trevor Cummings. I'm the host of the podcast and the author of the Tom blog. What I was going to say, it's a funny thing talking about weather because we serve so many clients uh, around the United States. So it might be 70 degrees and sunny here, and I'm talking to a friend in Boston where it is a blizzard. So weather is always a fun way to start the conversation. We're really blessed here in California that we have really good weather, but my heart goes out to uh, all my friends around the country. Nonetheless, let's talk about the article for the week. It is called Clarity on Charity. This article is all about donor-advised funds. We've talked about these, and I'll tell you through the podcast, I'm going to refer to it as a DAF, just easier than saying donor-advised fund over and over again. But we've talked about these on Thoughts on Money a few times, yet I've gotten a lot of inquiries and a lot of questions. This subject sparks a lot of curiosity because a lot of people like to give, and there's very uh, charitable people out there, I will say, uh, towards the end of the year. Because of the tax benefits associated with it, we opened a lot of donor advised funds in December. So what better subject to talk about in January to kind of corporately answer some of those questions and give you some clarity on charity and how donor advised funds work. I thought it'd be fun to give a little bit of history. Uh, One of the websites, National Philanthropic Trust, they provide a donor advised fund. So they do kind of an annual report and kind of gather some statistics. If you go on there, they tell you kind of the background. The first DAF was in 1930, made four in 1969 through the Tax Reform Act, and they have some really interesting charts on the growth of the usage of the donor-advised fund. And I included the chart, so I'll encourage you to go to the blog, but you'll see that in every category, donor-advised funds are growing. I showed the growth of the the assets that are in them, the growth of how many accounts there are out there, donor-advised funds. and Then also, the growth of total giving, the chart on there shows that from individuals' Total giving, almost 13% is accounted for for what people give into donor-advised funds. One of the most interesting charts that I saw was, okay, we see growth of account size, we see growth of asset size, we see growth of percentage of total giving, but there's one thing that was shrinking, and it was the average size of the donor-advised fund. And that's a good thing, right? Because what that probably means is that it's more democratized that more people are participating and something that maybe in the past Was unique to the ultra high net worth and uh, a tool that they resourced. But now, uh, many of these providers, uh, Schwab Charitable, Fidelity Charitable, so on and so forth, they're providing accounts that have minimums as low as $5,000. So it was encouraging to me to see that you see all these growth figures, but then you see a shrinking average account size. I like that. Uh, It means more people are participating. Before we get too far off, though, let's just talk about what a donor-advised fund is. It's pretty simple. So the donor-advised fund, when you open one, you open one and you name it whatever you'd like to name it. You can name it, you know, the the Smith Family Foundation or, or whatever you might do. You're going to open it with a custodian like a philanthropic trust or... Fidelity Charitable or National Christian Foundation. There's a lot of providers. What these providers actually are, an easy way to describe them is they're kind of like intermediaries. Um, They themselves are nonprofits, right, in the sense that you're able to give them the charitable donation. Once you give them that donation, it's in their hands under their stewardship, and you immediately get the tax deduction. Then if you go to their website, you have an account on their website, and you can then go on and Create grants so you can say, Hey, I want to give this money to my church, or I want to give this money to this local nonprofit. And their uh, database kind of holds all the 501c3s registered here in the US, and it allows you to send money according to where you would like to earmark it. Now, at first time hearing about that, you might not really see the benefit of it. And let me explain that to you. A lot of the benefit is around the timing, right? And, And let me explain that. When you give the money, in that year you get the tax deduction. But you can grant the money to the charity that you would like at any time in the future. So how could that benefit somebody? Well, let's just like think through some kind of simple examples. Let's say you have kind of an anomaly year where you have more income than you normally would. Like maybe there's a huge bonus at work or maybe you sold a business or whatever it might be that you're going to have a larger tax liability this year than maybe you're going to have in subsequent years or maybe you have you've had in the past. Maybe your family has a normal amount that you like to give. Well, maybe you'll pull forward some of that future giving into this year. Because you're going to be in a higher tax bracket. So let's say it was 2019 that happened, right? So let's say you knew how much you're going to give in 2020 and 2021. So you took that amount for 2020 and 2021 and you placed it in the donor advised fund. You got the deduction in 2019 where it was more beneficial to you. Then you have the kind of this lump sum money sitting in a donor advised fund. And you can release that in 2020 and 2021 at your normal frequency to the charities that you like to give to, however you'd like to do. And then, like I said, you get the deduction in the year where your income was high, and then you have the freedom to release that money at your own pace or frequency that you're you're familiar with. The other benefit, too, as it's in that account, right, once it goes into the donor-advised fund, most of them will default to kind of a cash holding, but you can go in there and say, hey, I want to allocate X amount to stocks, X amount to bonds. Um, And when that donor-advised fund grows, um, you get to benefit from that, too. So as an example, I have a donor-advised fund. I had money there in 2019. It's a little bit of an aggressive allocation, so a high allocation to stocks. So that account was up, you know, call it 25 or 30%. So that extra 25 or 30%, was an extra 25 or 30% I got to give to the charities that matter most to me. So it's a it's a great tool for people that like to give and like to be strategic about tax planning. I want to note something that's really important to understand though. When you give the money into a donor-advised fund, it's irrevocable you are in a sense, well, not even in a sense, this is actually how it is, you are legally giving up control of those resources to the charity or the custodian that you're giving them to. And then uh, it's in their best interest, and this is kind of the odd part to explain, but it's in their best interest to always take your grant recommendations. Here's the odd thing. They don't they, they, they technically wouldn't have to take your grant recommendations because you've released those funds or those resources into their stewardship. Um, but they are a business, and they're a customer-centric business, so it's in their best interest to always take your grant recommendations. Here's why. Because if they decided, hey, you know what? We don't really like that charity, and we don't want to let you grant to them, then guess what? You're not going to use their donor-advised fund. You're going to take those resources, and you're going to dedicate them to somewhere else. So really, they function the best when they are just an intermediary that allows you to place the money in at one point and then release it to charities at at a future point. And they do this for a fee. Each of these donor advised funds, as you research them, they have a cost of service, right? They're going to charge some sort of percentage of assets that they hold for providing two parts of the service, right? They do the, the tax part They do, obviously, actually maybe three parts, the investing part, they're allowing uh, you to do that there, and then also the granting part. So those administrative features that they have come at a cost. All that to say, yes, when I give it, it's irrevocable. Yes, I legally don't have control anymore, but they are a business, a customer centric business, and it's in their best interest to take my grant recommendations. So it all works out. But I think it is important to note that I would never want someone to think that or have a misunderstanding that, hey, I'm going to put this money in here. And, I, you know, I might give it to a charity, but I might have to claw it back if, if there's a need or something like that. That is not an option with the donor advised fund. So I think that's a, a pretty important thing to know kind of pivoting here, but I did include a pretty interesting chart. When I first started learning about donor advised funds and reading about them, I don't think that they were a a very headline item. A lot of folks haven't heard of them. But when you look at kind of how much they receive in donations each year, Uh, and I included the chart on there, but they are bigger in donations than some of the biggest charities in the world. You look at like United Way or Feeding America or Salvation Army or a collection of Catholic charities, and you see that Fidelity Charitable and Schwab Charitable and some of these larger donor advised funds actually receive more in donations than those different institutions. So it's pretty interesting. I wrapped up the article with something that I called my favorite part about a donor advised fund. And if I told you this was my favorite part, I'm guessing that you would never guess what my favorite part is. And I'm going to tell you right now. My favorite part is that you're able to name a successor on the donor advised fund. What that means is you're able to name somebody like call them a beneficiary, we'll use that that terminology, that when your tour duty here on earth is done, that they will take over the ownership of that count. And when I say ownership, I mean, they will take over that responsibility of picking out the grants and where the money should be sent and how it should be allocated to different charities. Why I love that so much is when you work in the world of finance And you work with a lot of successful folks that have done a great job at saving, a great job at planning. You learn that the next thing that they're going to have to plan out is kind of their legacy and how they pass this money down to the next generation. And I wouldn't be giving you any news or new news if I told you that there's a ton of lotto winners out there. Or, uh, you know, a ton of uh, heirs to very large estates where this uh, windfall of new money caused a lot of calamity in their lives. So I think, man, what an amazing thing that you can do for the next generation that you would pass down a donor advised fund to them and you would leave that legacy that, hey, we were a giving family we cared about giving back, we cared about these different issues or charities or aspects of the community that were really important to us and you teach that next generation that hey, you're going to inherit this responsibility that you're going to essentially manage this donor advised fund and pick out the things that matter to you and that are going to make our world a better place. Another fun little feature is and again, this is going to sound simple, but it touched our family's heart. Like we 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 really enjoyed this part. Is you get to name the donor advice fund. So I've seen some really interesting things. I've seen um, people that name the donor advice fund after, you know, a favorite Bible verse or something that means a lot to them. I've seen folks that name it uh, after uh, loved ones, um, maybe that they lost. So I've se- seen people name it kind of just uh, with their, their family name. So it's a fun part. Uh, my wife and I, uh, we lost our son in 2017. And we got to name it after him. So it just made the giving from then on just so much more meaningful that we were giving it in his name. So it just reminded me – it's silly, right? This is like you know some tax reform in 1969 made this thing available, and it really is just kind of a financial tool – but man it has touched our family and it's it's been a a way that we can use finances to celebrate the things that we love and we believe in for me it's been a blend of the two things i love i love the like tax planning and strategizing and the finance side of it and i love giving back I and mean, i love investing in my community so to marry those two things in a donor advised fund I, You guys are going to laugh at me, but I think it's a pretty beautiful thing. So I would encourage you when you read this article and you look at it to to really think and see if it's a, a wise thing for your family. And I do want you to, to to kind of positively dwell on that idea of, man, isn't this a beautiful thing to leave to the next generation? Because like I said, I do work with a lot of successful families. And in reality, they are going to pass down a sizable amount of wealth and property to the next generation. And the next generation is going to have responsibility to steward that well. And I think that these donor advised funds is a great complement to, to those resources that they'll have the ability to spend on themselves is some resources that they will be responsible for spending on others. I'm going to wrap it up there. Again, I encourage you to go to the the, the, the written blog because I think that the charts and some of the things included um, are really helpful. And it maybe it gets a little bit more granular on kind of the specifics and step-by-step on uh, what a uh, donor advised fund is and how it kind of will work for you. Uh, most importantly, this article is maybe a thousand words, so I probably can't answer everything, which is why I encourage you to email me. You can reach me at tcummings at thebonsangroup.com. I'd be happy to answer any questions or provide any clarity on charity that I can in addition to what was captured here. So we'll wrap it up there until next week. If you have time, leave a comment on the podcast, rate the podcast, and uh, we hope you come back next week. Thank you. And this is Tom signing off.
1: The Bonson Group is registered with Hightower Securities LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Any opinions, news, research, analyses, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. The team in Hightower shall not be in any way liable for claims and make no express or implied representations or warranties as the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information reference herein. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This document was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of the team and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates.